What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online podcast, live from Spurs Gridiron Grill. And I am joined this week, after a little hiatus, by Nick Del Torre. Not in studio, but he is here with us, coming from uh, his headquarters. Nick, what's up, my friend? Yeah, got engaged. Uh, I know, a lot has happened. A bunch of stuff happened. Ah, And there's some football going on, too. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. We got a new... Uh, speaking of your headquarters, football has a new headquarters that they just opened on Sunday that we'll get into. Obviously, a huge recruiting weekend for Florida. The Gators had their first scrimmage last Saturday, going to have their next scrimmage this Saturday. Um, and we'll kind of just give our impressions today of where things are at with this team halfway through fall training camp. Uh, some of our impressions of the roster, some of the position battles uh, that we've got to see through the viewing periods that we've been able to observe. So. A lot that Nick and I will get into today. Uh, we will not have a guest on today's show. It'll just be him, him and I potting and uh, catching up for, for the past two weeks. Um, so first of all, I, I think by the time you guys hear this, um, we may have a sense or a schedule of when the media is going to get its eyes on this uh, brand new $85 million facility. But the football team, they got to first walk through it uh, uh, on Sunday. It was the first time the players had been in it in five months. And, uh, Nick, that was uh, obviously – we could talk about the team and we could talk about recruiting, but this moment um, is kind of a milestone for this program and something that's going to be way bigger uh, you know, for years to come. I don't want this to sound negative at all, but it, it, the building is very Florida. Like, it's not – there's no – Clemson slide there's no you know the recording studio that we thought was going to be there is not there um but it's like now it's, it's a, very, a VR room yeah yeah it, it's it's very classy it, it almost like understated it's it's just really nice it, it's not over the top um some of that stuff I can't wait to see like that VR room that virtual reality room um I think the big emphasis is really on um like the health and wellness of the players, though. Trey Dean was talking about those sleep pods. Um, so I think they did they did a really good job with it. And it's not, you know, the chocolate fountains, uh, you know, the golden chocolate fountains, all the crazy stuff. So I think it's, it's very Florida, but uh, I'm excited to get in there and, and, and see it. Yeah, and as Scott Strickland, uh, you know, he told me when we were, I was previewing this building and he told us when he came on the, the Gators Online podcast – Look, there's no gold-plated toilets in there. Um, they they weren't wasteful with their spending. They didn't do things that were just for recruiting in, in terms of trying to make a splash on a recruiting weekend that was going to be something that stands out, but you're literally just doing it and putting it in there and spending the money on it to impress a group of recruits uh, a few weekends out of the year. Like, that space could be better utilized for other purposes. So right. I think that that's something that went into mind. But, you know, right out of the gate, um, you know, Scott Strickland said, you know, what this we did this in mind with recruiting, though, Um, it is the most important piece. Billy has talked about how much it improves the player experience, how much it improves their time, which we'll get into. But from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, Scott admitted, uh, you know, look, at the end of the day, there's a reason why banks and churches build really nice lobbies and, and, and really nice buildings is because it's supposed to send a message of what those organizations stand for. And he's, he just said, frankly, Florida football has been not, not, not been able to have facilities that represent um, the UAA's commitment to football. And now they do. And now that first impression that recruits have when they walk in that building is going to send a completely different message than what the facilities have been sending for our, for, you know, decades. Um, and so that alone, I think, like you said, the, the classiness aspect of it, um, you know, it, it is for, it's first class. And they, they have some things in there that um, are certainly newer features that are represented in a 2022 construction versus some of these buildings that were open, you know, five years ago or what have you. Um, and, and I think really specifically the locker room, uh, Strickland said, has some features in it that no other locker rooms around the country have. Um, and that's an area that I think folks not, aren't going to be able to see either. Um, that that's just players only and recruits. 
I don't think they're gonna let uh I don't think they're gonna let us in when we get our tour. Um listen, if it, they want to give me a little sleep pod though, I'll I'll go in there and check it out. Listen, I'll I'll spend uh, while you guys go on the tour, I'll just I'll take 30 minutes in the sleep pod. Um <laughs> I think that's I think you you hit it. It's it's first class, it's not gaudy or ostentatious, it, it's just everything that the players need and and, and done in a first class manner. I think the biggest thing that I think is, is so cool is that everything now connects. Um, and I don't know if Billy's, it takes us 18 minutes to walk from the locker room. Like it may, maybe Des Watson takes him 18 minutes, but I don't think that's an 18 minute walk from the locker room to the practice fields. But now it's just like you literally roll from the locker room, 20 steps and you're on the field. Um, yeah. I think that's really cool. It, it I was standing on the far practice field the other day and it just looks completely different. Like it, everything's kind of like boxed in. You feel like you're at uh, a football facility where in the past you kind of had McKeithen rest in peace. Uh, and, uh, and then just the O-Dome was there. And now you kind of feel like you're in this little football bubble when you're on the practice fields. It is. It's 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 literally kind of their own corner of campus. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's as Chip Howard said when I spoke to him for this preview story. It's the way that it should have been. Like this is the right. This is what was supposed to happen. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that three story building that like McElwain? They were just going to try to figure it out and sandwich it in somewhere and. It's just like how disjointed that would be. You would have spent sixty million dollars on that, and they were, and they also were just going to upgrade McKeithen. They were just going to pour some money into McKeithen. Um, that those two instances were not the right moves for Florida to make. Um, and by deciding, you know what, let's just build a brand new baseball stadium, demolish McKeithen, and put it right there, and have the space to do it right. Um, they kind of set those programs up for generations now by, yeah. by making that investment. Now they also spent 90 extra million dollars, you know? So, it, you know, but, and but they would prolong spent, things too. Yeah. You would have spent $20 million to upgrade McKeithen. And then six years down the line, you would have needed to spend another $20 million. Yeah. Um, Cause it would have just been a bandaid. And, and then, then you would have you would have had to add to the, for, the three-story facility, that would have had to keep getting upgraded. You would have been stuck with a facility that didn't work and didn't make sense. So you would have just built it. I think think before Scott Strickland made these plans happen, I think you were just doing stuff to do it. It's like, well, we need need a football facility, so what can we do? All right, well, let's make a a three-story building shoved into the corner by track. And it's like, well, that would... Remember once upon a time, Nick, the indoor practice facility was not going to be at 400 yards. Thank Jim McElwain for that. McElwain came in and said, no, we're not doing that. Jim, I remember him. He being like, we play on a hundred yards, don't we? He goes, and we actually need more than 120 because you got 10 yards for each end zone. I'm like, wow, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, It's just in, in like, you know, also where that position was located on second Avenue. It's just not, you wouldn't have had that hub there. You would have still felt like there was some disconnection between the practice field and having the, uh, the track facility kind of in between. It's just um, the only convenience would have been that it was right next to the practice field. That was it. But here it's like, this one's connected to the indoor practice facility. It's right on that road where a lot of players, you know, have their apartments, have their classes. It's much, uh, it's very easy to access as opposed to being on the other side of the street. So, I think the time the time thing for me um, is a big deal because I think it promotes uh, your guys just staying in the building. Um, and not that you want to keep them there per se, but like it just literally Tyreek Sapp, as he was going through it on his Instagram live, uh, was like, man, I'm never going to have to leave here. Um, because if you think about how it used to be or how it had been for decades and decades, like, Guys were inside Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in the training room or in the locker room. And, you know, they had to walk. First of all, they had to walk in between those two. But then if they wanted to go to the practice field, they're walking to that. If they wanted to go to the dining hall, they're walking across the street to go there. I mean, there were so many trips that they had to take. 
Right. On then on top of that, if let's say, okay, we don't have to go do any of those things, but we just want to go hang out um, and, and we want to go and play a pickup basketball game or we want to go and hang out by the pool. Well, they had to find somebody's apartment complex to go to then. And now they're having to take a trip there. Like all those things I just mentioned, they can now do in one spot and everything 75 feet with, from each other. Um, yeah. The only time they literally have to leave is to go to class or when they're ready to go home. Um, and, and to have that kind of convenience, um, it's just going to create an environment. I think that, that players, they want to be there. Um, and then they're, it's not like they're just hanging out with their teammates. They're hanging out with all the athletes at UF that are going to be in the player lounge in the dining hall and in the outdoor space. Um, it's a cool setup, man. Yeah. I really want to get in there and and kind of see it, see it for ourselves. But, uh, I like the, the the little touches as well um if you look on like the outside on the bottom layers of the bricks they've have like a gator logo in built into the wall uh work em silly gators uh banner is up there so i think there's a lot of small little touches that that we'll probably get to see better firsthand when we're walking through um but it's like you said you've you've created a space where your team can be a team and you don't have to be like, all right, well, we can only get seven guys in this apartment. So we're going to hang out with these seven. You can, you can have your entire team uh, at that facility, not playing basketball. Trent Whittemore, you, uh, I think <laughs> we, both him asked, him. we both asked him. He was like, yep, yeah, maybe after football season. Yeah. He, I know Trent's going to throw down some dunks on there before all said and done. There's no way. Um, you know, before we, uh, you know, before we get into the football aspect and kind of just, you know, give our our take on where this team is at halfway through camp, I do just want to touch on recruiting and we'll, and then we'll jump to this first break. But um, it's old news now, even though it's all happened since our our, our last show. But it's you know, um, starting with Jaden Robinson flipping from South Carolina, which seems like forever ago already. Um, and then the weekend that Coach Chaos and the staff had landing three defensive linemen, uh, also landing their first commit for 2024, UF Legacy and Miles Graham. Uh, just an incredible weekend. It was all, all happening at once, right? First scrimmage goes down. They're this, you know, recruiting hot streak. Uh, and, and then they open their new facility. Uh, like we put out, and I put out that story on our message board on Gators Online and one of the posters was like, Zach, I can't take this much excitement in one weekend. Um, but they were was, catching commits. They were catching commits during the scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think obviously going into the weekend, we talked about it on the show last week, everyone knew that Collins was deciding and knew that James was deciding. But to have Will Norman go ahead and, and pull, the ple- uh, pull the trigger as well, give the Gators another pledge from IMG Academy where – they seemingly just couldn't get a commitment, you know, for the longest, and now they've gotten three. Um, it's incredible the work that Billy's done there specifically, but also now with defensive line recruiting and Sean Spencer, they've uh, really bulked up there with some of the prospects that they've gotten. They're not done yet either. Um, still right. some targets out there to be had, but uh, Nick, it's just you know they they kind of got the ball rolling at the end of June with those three uh, on 300 commits and it just, they haven't stopped. Uh, it, it's really impressive. It, it's, it's it, how long ago does it seem like when everyone was down on, on the recruiting and, and like getting on the staff and, and listen, I, I still think. And so much of that old- was based on one recruitment. Yeah. Yeah. One. Yeah. Oh man. It, it seems like it seems like a long time ago. I, there's still holes. Like I, I think you still need to get some offensive linemen. And, and I don't know if that's a flip or a transfer portal. Like there's still some some things to do. Um, but there's also some big names out there. Obviously, Cormani McLean, someone that Gator fans want to talk about and and would love to see uh in Gainesville. So Florida's at 10 in our rankings, and I I, I could see them moving up. I don't know if I I don't know if I there's enough talent left to get them into a top five, but I think you can finish six, seven. See, that's the thing. Is there enough talent left on the board of uncommitted? Maybe, maybe not, but I but don't think they're, do- I don't think they're done flipping. 
You know, I, well, pancakes, I, buddy. Yeah, man. I, like this staff has already had a few surprises in this cycle, in the last cycle. Um, I, I know um, a lot of Florida fans and a lot of uh, of the Gator commits have uh, their their they've zeroed in on Pup out of uh, Duval. So that's going to be one that, you know, I know Florida's not going to give up on him. Um, and, and again, you know, we're, we're going to get into to Florida season here and what we think of this team for 2022. But depending on the year they have or certainly some of the recruiting weekends that they have, I think it could go a long way and maybe swaying some guys in, in how they feel about Florida. Um, but, you know, at 20 commits, the core that, that now they have in place with this class, um, it's really impressive when you consider the blue chip ratio, when you consider the amount of prospects from the state of Florida, and then the fact that all 20 are within the 500 mile radius, uh, you know, which Billy talked about this week. Um, you know, it's a kudos to not only Billy and his staff, but the recruiting staff. Um, you know, obviously, I think Billy, you know, gets a lot of credit. You know, uh, you know, the he Florida lands some commits and the fans are like, oh, Billy's at it again. Um, which, which, how it is, you know, the head coach always kind of, you know, gets the most credit for recruiting, but it literally is an army of, of folks that are doing yeah. it. Um, you know, Katie Turner, I think, obviously is one of the most well-recognized, and she does a phenomenal job, I think, uh, with obviously what her title is, the recruiting strategy that they have. But there's also so many uh, people that's, you know, on staff with her that we saw get recognized uh, today uh, on Thursday uh, by On3. They put out their, um, I think it was 65 rising stars um, for 2022 in college football recruiting and personnel. And the Gators had three staff members on that list in Jacob LaFrance, uh, Bird Sherrill, and Bree Wade. So um, I think that right there speaks to the talent that, that Billy's kind of assembled there in his recruiting department. And um, you're, you're seeing some of that, those results show up now. It'll be interesting because, like, I think he made a compelling case to Scott Strickland to even get these number of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I feel like he's going to have to re replace a lot of them. Like, these these are these are people that are going to get jobs elsewhere. Like, uh, yeah, you're going to get all these assistant coaches are going to be on the field coaches at some point, and, and sure. you're going to have to do some replacing. Almost like, uh, like Nick Saban at, at Alabama, the way he's had to – you know, re replace assistant coaches. But um, I think it's a really a testament, like you said, uh, it, like it takes a village to raise a child. Like it, 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 it takes, it takes the entire army to, to, you know, make this thing work. And uh, I think that was a cool list from Matt Zenitz. And uh, it's, uh, it's certainly been a whirlwind three weeks. Yeah, man. I mean, you think about it um, at the time, when uh, they they landed their 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 last pledge on Sunday in, in James, that marked where the Gators had gotten for the fourth time in eight weeks, they'd gotten three or more commits, and out of those four times, there were three times where they got four commits in one week. Yeah, and and the most recent one obviously being this week, this past week, and that was five total when you count Miles Graham for 2024. So, you know, obviously, it, it's not a fluke, some of the, the stretches that we've seen here this summer from this staff. And um, I think if you're a Florida fan that follows recruiting, you should only be excited about what's to come because they haven't even put a product on the field yet. They haven't even recruited with this $85 million football facility that we've talked about here in the first segment. So um, there's going to be even more to sell, Nick. Yeah, uh, it, it's well. Don't go out. Don't go out and uh, and kick the bucket <laughs> this season. Don't go six and six. Uh, put a good product on the field, um, which I think they will, and uh, that that can only help to recruit. So yeah. it, it's think, definitely think, it's definitely an exciting time right now, and I think you can feel it um, in the fan base. You can see it on the message board. People are excited. Um, and as we're inching closer and closer to September 3rd, um, you can feel it in the air. And I think it's going to make a difference, too, that now they have so many guys committed. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I've said that before, but it's it's now not just the staff and the players. Um, 
that are involved in the recruiting efforts. Now you've got people that are in Florida's 2023 class actively recruiting, right. you know, th- th- their, their fellow classmates. And I think that makes a huge difference, especially some of these guys like Trayon Webb, who seem to be very convincing. He's he, <laughs> relentless. Relentless is the word I would put. Miles um, Graham also was already uh, in the 2023 and 2024 class already tweeting at people. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I, I think for him too, uh, being the first commit of the class, being a legacy player um, and being a top 50 overall recruit, he really sets the tone for that cycle. And to have that guy be the first one to pop, um, you know, it's almost like he's the face, you know, now uh, in, yeah. in kind of leading that class. And uh, always cool to kind of see that come together where it's, either a legacy or whether, you know, a brother, we've, we've seen brothers that have come to play at UF. Um, but as Billy mentioned this week, when he was asked about legacy recruits, he goes, he said, he joked to somebody that he thinks that the staff got here at the right time because yeah. a lot of those players from the Spurrier era are now having kids, um, you know, so it's kind of lining up right, right in favor uh, of the Gators. So um, obviously uh, uh, Graham's going to be one to watch here for, for years to come. We're going to jump to this first break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to switch gears, uh, get into some fall camp talk and what we've seen from this uh, football team through the first half. Hi, Steve Spurrier here. You know, making a reservation at my restaurant is easier than a Saturday afternoon homecoming game against Vandy. You don't have to call or email. Just go to Spurriers.com, hit the reservation button, pick a date, number of guests, and a time. It's so simple, I can do it. In fact, I just did. Maybe I'll see you tonight. Welcome back into the Gators Online Podcast. Zach, coming to you live from Spurs Gridiron Grill. Nick, joining me from his headquarters, and now we are going to get into some Florida football talk. The Gators set to have their second scrimmage on Saturday. Uh, I think this time, hopefully. They will be able to be in the swamp, weather forced them uh, inside the indoor last Saturday. But the Gators are now more than halfway through fall training camp. I think we've got a good idea of where the depth chart stands at most positions. Uh, you know, there's been some injuries that have, uh, I, I, I think, made some battles, you know, uh, kind of play out uh, or kind of decided, should I say. But um, most of them have been pretty minor. Um, we can get in, into some of that as well. but. Nick, you know, before we start getting into specific positions and some of the things that we've seen, just what is your overall feeling of this team right now? Um, one scrimmage in, second scrimmage to go. Yeah, I think uh, which is typical of the time uh, that the defense is ahead of the offense right now. Um, I also think I, I'm, I'm even – I've always thought this, but I'm even more convinced that this is going to be a heavy running offense. Um, and and not that that's always what Billy Napier is going to be, but I think the strength of the offense is the offensive line. Um, Ethan White looks great. Uh, Kingsley Egukon nailed it. Yes, um, yes, you did, Nick. <laughs> nailed it. Um, I think them, Osiris Torrance um, – Tarquin, Garage, I think that's the strength. You've got three, maybe four running backs if, if you include uh, ETN. Yep. You got that this, too, Nick. You're on a roll. Woo! <laughs> um, and, then you, and then Florida's receivers are guys that, other than Ricky Pearsall, are guys that aren't great in short space, not going to catch the ball and, and make people miss, but they can get – Past people, they long striders, guys with some speed, Justin Shorter, Xavier Henderson, which I think plays into hey, if we're running the ball successfully, pop a little play action. Yep. And uh, everyone saw what Anthony Richardson did, like Uncle Rico and Napoleon Dynamite threw the ball clear over the mountains. All right, listen, we got to do a pronunciation sidebar real quick. I, no, I'm not doing Princely's name, I can't do it. No, 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 no. This is for me, Nick. This is not for you. Okay, this is, we're having an intervention here. This is long Billy. overdue. This is long overdue. You haven't yeah, been is. here the last two weeks. I think that I've got this down, though. I think that I've come to grips with how I pronounce or mispronounce the head coach at Florida's last name. I think 
that I make it sound hear, French. I now hear that I've been saying Billy Nay Pierre. Uh-huh. What I need to be saying, or what I should have been saying all along, because that you, you know what they call him is Coach Nape. That's Coach Nape. So you need to say Billy Nape Ear. Am I am I right Napier. on that? Napier. 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 So what, I, what I'm, did I, you call him Napier? Napier? No, it was Nay. I just I went I went like hard on the Nay. Like yay or nay, I was going real Billy Napier. So listen, this this is enough of this conversation, but I just wanted to let the listeners know I am aware. I'm working on it. Bear with me. <laughs> I will just call him Billy for the time being. It's I feel really comfortable with that last name. Um but anyways, Napier. off the side Billy, uh, Billy Napier. Yes. I think Billy's offense is going to be uh yes, it, it's definitely gonna feature um you know, the run game kind of being the, the forefront of the, of the attack. And I think that at the end of the day, you play to your strengths. And, you know, yeah. w- you look at the dual threat quarterback that you have in Anthony Richardson, the depth that you have in the backfield, and then the, the makeup of your offensive line, which is certainly lends you to believe that they're going to be able to, to run the ball and, and, and that their strengths are, are, are uh, run blocking. Even last year, uh, you look at, I, th- I think that it was mentioned that they averaged what over five yards a carry, whatever the number was. I mean, Florida was able to run the ball last year. Dan Mullen just didn't do it enough with the backs that he had, um, which that's another sidebar of him getting trolled this week for uh, Damian Pierce going off in Texas, uh, Texans preseason games. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you play to your strengths and, and you look at the backs, you look at the quarterback, you look at your offensive line. And then you look at, you know, what you have in the passing game at, at, at tight end and receiver, certainly some weapons there. And I think the, the starters that they're going to feel good about. But at the end of the day, your strengths lie at your other positions. And that's, you know, if he had the personnel that the Gators had in 2020, I think we, we'd see this attack probably leaning a, a lot more towards the, the, the passing game. So um, I just think that's where things are at. And I think obviously Billy's going to play to his strengths. And I'm excited to see, and I'm sure the running backs are, them actually get fed the football and have a drive where they just have the hot hand and you just keep feeding it to them. Um, you know, to, to have a offense where you might have a guy not only rush for 1,000 yards, but might have two backs that rush for 1,000 yards. Anthony Richardson could have a 1,000-yard rushing season. Um, I am interested to see how that running back rotation shakes out. We, we really can't, you know, take away enough from the viewing period because guys have been repping in different orders. I do think it's fair to say that Naquan is running back one, um, or at the very least, he is the leader of that group. Um, yeah. And I think he's going to set the tone for that room, you know, whether he gets the majority of the snaps or carries or it's somebody else on another night. Um, he's the guy that everybody's looking to. Um, and I, I think from there, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the uses of Montreal and, and Lingard. But I think all three of those guys are going to be heavily involved. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the season finish where you're looking at one guy or two guys maybe having a thousand yards, but a second or third guy being at that seven, eight hundred, nine hundred range because uh, we've seen it before uh, from Billy's offenses. Or maybe even. Nobody at a thousand yards, but four guys at 750, 800. Um, I, I really think I, I don't know if you'll get four guys, you know, four running backs. Obviously, I think Anthony Richardson, uh, will get a ton of carries. If you look at their team last year, they had four guys with 100 carries. If you include uh, Leo Lewis, Le- is that his name? The quarterback, Levi, Levi, Levi. Um, if you include him, they had four guys carry the ball a hundred times. And, and Nick, when I you say, were right. You were right on the last names, and then you just had to, a first name. Just had to throw you off. First name. Um, if you, I, I've, I think I've said like this could be a 60-40 run to pass offense. Yeah, and maybe that's exaggerating. But if you include like pass plays that were called where Richardson scrambles that ends up going down as a run play. I think that kind of gets you to that 60, 40. Um, but if it's the strength, like you just said, play to your strengths. Don't, don't go in there and be like, well, 
we're uh, we're running the ball too much. Let's try something else just to try it. It's like, no, if, if you're running the ball successfully, and that I think that's Florida's best plan of attack on offense, then do it. Lean into your strengths. Yeah, and, and I think obviously, you know, one thing there that, that would have lended itself to Florida, you know, maybe uh, adding more things with its passing game or just having more of the percentage of its offense showcase that would have been Ricky Pearsall going through all of camp. And the fact of the matter is that he's now missed, I think, six consecutive practices. So him being out, him not being in the scrimmages, um, that's taken away from what more the passing game could have been. Now, it still can develop into that. Um, Now, one thing about Richardson I do want to mention before we go on to some other spots is – you know, I think the mil- the injury to Jack Miller, which we'll find out the significance of it here, I think, soon, um, that's going to be something to monitor because, you know, if he's, depending on how long he's out or what his availability is, that certainly might factor into Anthony Richardson's usage in the run game um, and certainly, you know, how much you protect him leading up to the season opener. But um, I-, I think I mean, right it, there... It, it was a scary sight. You're, we're out of practice on Wednesday or on on what yeah on Wednesday, Wednesday and there's two healthy scholarship quarterbacks one's the true freshman that just got to campus too so it, you know it's not it's not like you you want to get in a situation where you're throwing him into the fire Jalen Kitna did come back to practice Wednesday so that was good news he didn't participate but he was out there um and, and he was you know following along with the team in drills I think you know based on what Billy said about his minor procedure I, I would imagine that he's going to be able to be available um to start the season so um but that's something obviously to monitor monitor for florida as they get closer and closer to this utah game obviously at wide receiver with pierce all out you know you're looking at other guys to kind of step up um i think that it's pretty clear that this is you know shorter and henderson um and then there's kind of you know, that next tier of receivers, I think Jaquavion Frazier's has kind of shown that he's um, pushing for kind of first team reps and is going to be a guy that's maybe more involved in the rotation. Um, but really the guy that we heard from this week, Nick uh, Trent Whittemore, I think this is a chance for him to obviously have a big year, um, be more of a focal of a focal point uh, among the receiver group, but also he's kind of that guy that I think that has the flexibility to play inside and outside and is, definitely been getting a lot more uh been counted on more with Pierce all out of the lineup with Pierce all out I, I mean He's Trent has to, guy. The, has to be the guy in the slot um yeah. you know you've got Ty Bowman who uh, I've seen drop some passes I think you've seen some good highlights from him um in practice but I don't think that's uh, I've seen the guy speed. you would turn to He's speed yeah yeah but uh, I didn't think that I would say this when Ricky Pearsall got to Gainesville, but I think the offense when with him in it is so much more dynamic. He just yes. gives you something that, and I think the world of Trent Whitmore, I think he's a great receiver, but Ricky Pearsall gives Florida something that they don't have if he's, if he's hurt, if he's not on the field. It's a whole different wrinkle. He's a guy that you can throw screens to, a guy that you can get the ball on a little drag route, and he can make somebody miss. Um, Florida's got a bunch of guys that kind of are the same mold at receiver, and he breaks that mold. He's something completely So you've got to get – I wouldn't put him back on the practice field. I would just try to get him healthy and get him ready for September 3rd. Yeah, and and I think that's their plan. Um, You know, he is out of a boot. He's been going through all these exercises uh, with Joe. Dick Some of that stuff looks worse than practice. <laughs> they, yeah. they were they had like forty five pound plates up over their head yesterday doing like high knees. And I'm like, I'd rather be practicing than than doing that stuff with Danos. And the fact that he's doing that stuff um, is a positive sign of it, of his progression. And and he's kind of been vocal in practice. I mean, it's, reporters have overheard him kind of talking about how he's feeling better on his foot. So. Um, obviously his usage and, and his, um, you know, involvement in the offense is going to be something that I think fans are excited to see. And, you know, we really, it's unfortunate for him because I want to say he got hurt. Like what the first or second day after they went to full pads, um, yeah. he didn't even get to make it to the scrimmage. Um, 
you know, and, and then I think, you know, Nick mentioned the offensive line. I think the Gators are in a really good spot there. Their, their starters are set. Um, I think Josh Braun is your sixth man with the ability to play guard and tackle. That's a really, you know, valuable, I think, thing that the Gators have there. Um, Austin Barber ha- has really stepped up as well and, and kind of is a guy that's, uh, you know, when Richard Garage was out in camp, he was getting a lot of first-team reps um, and, and getting some looks there. So they're they're in a good spot. You know, we were on uh, on the Gator panel last night, uh, Nick, and, and Andy Staples, former Florida offensive lineman, said that he'd gotten the sense from around the program that this is the best that they felt about their offensive line in a long time. And I think that goes to what you said about this being one of the team's strengths and why they feel like they're going to be able to run the ball. I don't remember – I was going to say at the, at the beginning of the season, I don't remember feeling this good about an offensive line at any point of the season. In, in, and I'm heading into my 10th year covering Florida. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to win, like, the best offensive line in the in the country, but I think this is a really solid group. Um, they have a chance to not have weak, weak links. That's like – like, there's been times where they – okay, well, they got DJ Humphreys, but – then there's a couple other starters that is a drop off, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not going to have that. I don't think so. And I, and I'm, I'm really excited to see Osiris Torrance. Cause I mean, this is a guy who at the Sun Belt level, you know, at, at not at a power five level, but hasn't allowed a sack in three years. I don't care what level of football you're playing. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, and then also with how much we've talked about the running game, like that's, that's exciting for an offensive lineman to just be told like, Hey, we're going to run the ball. You're going to put a hat on a hat and you had to move the guy in front of you. Don't worry about pass blocking. We're playing physical, put your forehead into somebody's face mask and move him five yards uh, upfield. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I honestly, I think that you look at Florida's tight end group and some of the physicality that they have there. Um, you know, we've seen, a lot early uh, in the in the early portions of practice of, of those units working together. And um, I think that they've got certainly the players there at that position um, that lend itself even more to the run game. Guys like Odom, guys like Xanders. Um, and I think even Zipper has really improved with his blocking. Um, we've seen the tight ends. I've, I've seen the tight ends work more on blocking than I've seen in a long time, you know, we don't we don't get to watch all of practice, but when we used to see viewing periods, they weren't working on it like they are now. Um, it's clear that those guys are going to be asked to do that. Um, and, and and fortunately for Florida, I mean, they got a guy down right now, um, Arliss Boardingham with his arm in a sling, and still plenty of depth at that position. Um, so they're in a really good spot there. Um, and I think Xander's is Xander's and Zipper are obviously the top two guys. Um, and it'll be interested to see how how they get also involved and worked into the passing game because that'll definitely be a feature too. Yeah, and and then moving on, I, I, we're coming up on time, but we need to move to defense. Yeah. Um, what what, what, what you, is, yeah, right there. When we go defense, what what's what what comes to mind right away? Like what's my what, uh, what do you like? What are you concerned about? I was going to ask what your biggest concern about. I think I've, I've mentioned it. My biggest concern is, is interior defensive line um, and, and stopping the run. Can you stop the run between the tackles? Like Jervon Dexter is, I think, a stud, but who plays next to him? I think Jalen Lee is making progress and he's getting better. Um, who's after that? You know, uh, as Chris Rumpf said when he was here at Florida, those big boys, they have one gas tank. And when they run out of gas, there's no refilling it at halftime. There's no refilling it in the third quarter. So who's playing behind Gervon? Who's playing behind Jalen Lee? Can Des Watson play 20 snaps a game? Yeah. I think Florida's on, on the edges. Florida is deep yeah, and talented. But inside, uh, that's where I have questions. I mean, gosh, when we see Des in the drills – he moves pretty well for a guy his size. The you know the 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 only problem is is seeing him in the drills. Yeah, you know I mean he he's I mean he's just calling it like it is. He's had to take breaks, um, and camps. I mean so many times we've seen him just sitting out, you know, with his helmet off. 
because he's just catching yeah. his breath. Um, and I, and I mean, I, I'm not one to talk. There's no way I could ever go out there and practice in that heat at my weight. So, um, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, being his size and, and moving the way that he does. Uh, and I right. think he's only going to continue to improve the fact that they're practicing now that he's out there. I will say that he's seemingly been taking less and less breaks. Um, every, every time that we've gone out there, like that first week, I, th- I want to say the first two or three viewing periods, he was just not even in the drills. Like mm-hmm. he was just, you know, catching his breath. And now, you know, we, we, we've got a lot of clips of him actually moving. Now, having said all that, you know, we heard going into fall training camp from Jervon Dexter that he was going to be playing some more defensive end this year. And I think that he will. But just how they've been splitting up the groups in practice, it's clear that he is still repping with the defensive tackles. And based on the depth at defensive end, which you alluded to, Nick, and where the Gators are lacking in, in the interior of the defensive line, it's just hard for me to see them not playing him at defensive tackle the majority of the it just time. Doesn't make, it, just, it just doesn't make sense, right? Like, yeah. you're, you're so deep on the edges and you have a, a deficiency. Why would you take your best defensive tackle and put him at end where you've got Princely, Sat. Oh, come on, Nick. No, no, no. No, Uma Milan. You did it. Yes. So you got Princely Uma Milan. You've got Tyreek Sapp. You've got Justice Boone uh, on the other side. You've got Brenton Cox. You've got Lloyd Summerall, David Reese. Like you've got dudes on the outside. There's no need yeah. to put yeah. Gravon Dexter at end. You've got guys there, and, and you and you need somebody inside. Just just off of. Tyreek Sapp alone, you don't need to play Dexter there. Like he, he looks like a man possessed going through position drills. Um, The Tyreek train is rolling right now, Nick. STA pride Pride is in full effect, man. Um, And and I do think that him now having a year under his belt, not coming into Florida as a late, you know, arrival in camp last year and and not really having a chance to get his feet wet. He's in a totally different place. You've talked about him being motivated, um, you know, from, from the birth of his child this off season. So uh, I think he's helped put the Gators in a really good spot along with justice Boone and his emergence in camp. So, you know, the the Gators right now, I think are in a good place, you know, with that uh, development at defensive end and, and, Jervon obviously getting himself into to a into shape physically where he can play both spots. Um, you know, we saw him and Anthony Richardson get named by Bruce Feldman uh, as as one of the the freaks on the freaks list. Um, two of the top 100 players in college football. So Dexter obviously, and no matter where he's lining up, he's going to steal the show. I think at that spot and, and set the tone for Florida up front defensively. Um, and I think. You know, you mentioned the Gators looking good on the edge. I mean, that's at end and at uh, outside linebacker, the jack position, as they call it in this scheme. But Florida's got so much talent there. Um, now, having said that, I am just coming off the defensive observations that I wrote the other day, so I got to give uh, – got to call it like I saw it. And, um, you know, Mike P, man, Gator great. He was not happy with how his uh, group started practice the other day. Now, for all I know – after that 15-minute viewing period, they could have completely flipped the switch and had a great rest of the session. Um, but he was not happy with how they started the group. And, you know, he, like a lot of coaches on staff, are, are not going to accept things not done right. Uh, they demand perfection, and they're going to make you keep repeating drills until you get it right. Um, but, you know, having said that, you just look at the depth there. Uh, you know, Florida does have Powell down right now with an injury. Um I don't think it's anything that's expected to be serious. He was still going through uh, some of the drills. He was just non-contact. But between Brent Cox, Lloyd Summerall, him all there, uh, I think those are your top three. But, you know, Florida's got even some younger guys in Borders and Jack Pyburn that are developing mm-hmm. there as well. So, um, you know, Lloyd Summerall, he's probably been one of just, just physically been one of the most impressive-looking players in fall camp. 
he certainly passes the look test. And it's taken a while. So yeah. credit to him because, I mean, he came in. He reminded me a lot of um, Alex McAllister when he came in. Yes. That yes. long, super lean frame, fast. That's great comparison. Uh, that's, that's what he – but – and shout out to my boy Callie. Uh, but I don't think he ever got as big as Lloyd is right now. No, he did not. Lloyd, Lloyd, looks, um, Lloyd looks impressive. He's still, you know, having said that, he looks like a million bucks, but he's still learning. You know, he's still developing. Yeah. I, I, I think that having, um, you know, I, I didn't mention David Reese, but he's another veteran at that spot. Having him there, um, having Cox there and, and guys like that to learn from, I think is probably helping Summerall as well. But I just think he's taken really well to Mike Peterson's coaching um, and, and just the style and the way that he works with those guys is impressive. I mean, he makes you want to get out there and, um, you know, go through some drills and then quit once you start sweating. Cause man, it is hot out there. Nick. <laughs> it Gosh. is hot. It's humid. It's gross. I don't know. I don't know how Utah is going to handle it, man. It's uh, I know they've been trying to pump in some heat in their practices, but it's kind of hard just, to substitute this. There's no replicating it. It was 90% humidity last night at nine forty PM. Yep. Um, and then, obviously, last couple spots on defense. You know you know what the Gators are getting at inside linebacker with Ventrell Miller and Amari Bernie. Uh, Ventrell has been in non-contact this week, but he's still going through all the drills, uh, just kind of slowing up, not going through tackling. But uh, It's just giving Shamar James a chance to really shine, and, and, and he's had yes. that opportunity, and he's running with it. He is. I mean, he's been able to basically all camp go in drills behind Ventrell Miller and, and Amari Bernie. So it's basically just shadowing them in practice, watching all their movements, learning from them. And as they kind of show him the ropes and it's clear to me that they're counting on him to contribute and, yeah. and give them some playing time as a true freshman. So between his emergence and then guys that you already like a lot at that spot and Derek Wingo and, and Scooby Williams, you have Dewan Block there as well. I mean, there's a lot of depth at that spot. I, I think that, um, you know, watching uh, Jay Bateman work with that group in camp, man, he is very, very detailed. Um, I've been very, uh, uh, say what you will about his recruiting and what's going on with linebacker recruiting, but I've been very impressed with him as a coach on the field. Yes. Um, I, I'm worried about him though, because it looks like at one point he's going to tackle, like oh, whether yeah. they're tackling donuts. And I think he might actually get like, not like fed up, but like get frustrated if someone does a rep wrong. And I'm like, coach, I don't know if you should be doing all of this. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to wrap up that donut one of these days. I'm telling you. And he gets, he, he's, he's very explanatory when it comes to, you know, uh, coaching up his players and kind of what, what he wants to see from them in drills. So you're right. I mean, he, he's been impressive. It's, it's, it's not a surprise though. When you look at his track record and, and, and what he's accomplished, as an assistant. So, and then finally in the secondary, you know, looking at where the Gators are at, uh, obviously Jason Marshall being out is, is something that we've monitored. That's honestly, you know, you'd love to have him healthy. I think that his hamstring injury is not going to be anything that, that holds him back, but that's also kind of allowed things to shake out even more with the competition for that other spot opposite Marshall. Cause you know, he's your cornerback one. Um, so whether that's Helm, Kimber, Devin Moore, you know, those seems to be the names that we are hearing about the most and that are getting the most first team reps in practice. And so that's that's kind of where the depth chart stands there. I think Jordan Young is another guy as well um, that has made some plays and not only in practice, but in the scrimmage. Uh, you know, actually just had one, an interception in the scrimmage last Saturday. So um, I think Florida is not only, you know, uh, find that quarterback. I think they have a good idea of what they're getting and where they're at. You know, safety and nickel to me is, is still a very intriguing because I think that Patrick Tony is is going to mix it up. I think he's going to have some different lineups out there. I think he's going to use guys at multiple spots, interchange them between safety and nickel. Guys like Trevez Johnson and Trey Dean. Um, but there's plenty of options. I I just I think we're going to see other guys get opportunities and them not be so stuck on playing a certain pair of players or, or always having the same combinations of players be on the field. Yeah, for sure. 
I think Patrick's going to mix it up, and he's not afraid to put Kamari Wilson out there. That, that will be interesting. Um, yeah, and you've you've written about it because Trey Dean's played a little bit of nickel, and uh, that might give people some like PTSD based on you know having to play the star role in Grantham's defense. I think it's it, it's uh, different responsibilities in Patrick Tony's. Um, but there's a lot of guys, and, and I I like the mix of experience and veteran leadership with guys like Devin Moore and Kamari, um, and even Jalen Kimber is young. Um, I think yeah. you've got a, a good mix of veteran leadership and, and young talent. I do think at some point this season, you will see Devin Moore start. Uh, I don't know when it'll be. Um, I don't know how that's going to shake out. He's going to get reps with the starters right away and, and, and get in that cornerback rotation. But we've just heard too many great things about him. And he was named a preseason All-American by On3 this week. So, um, you know, congrats to Devin. And I, I think that's, you know, a sign of things to come for him, uh, no doubt yeah. about it. And look, but before we leave, we can't get out of here without mentioning the game changers um, and obviously Nick's favorite position, the punters. Um, no need to, you know, to preview much there or assess much there. Just submit your Ray Guy votes right now. Um, Got it. Uh, you know, just off of the mustache, if not for anything else, right, Nick? Uh, it's a lip mullet. That's what I called it. <laughs> uh, but we we do have probably one of the biggest competitions left in camp. Is that kicker? Trace Mack and Adam Mihalek. Look at you. You are on a roll, dude. I have no idea if I pronounced that correctly, but I said it with confidence, and you thought that I said it correctly. You convinced me. If you, yeah. went, four, if you went four for four today, um, that's quite the feat. Um, and obviously, look, if, if he goes for four in, in, in the scrimmage on Saturday, maybe he's going to win the job. Um, you know, I, I think, obviously, he showed what he can do in the spring. Trey Mack comes in as a really uh, highly touted freshman kicker. Um, that's still a job that's to be decided. Uh, you know, we heard coming from the scrimmage last Saturday that Trevor uh, Etienne and Montreal Johnson are working as the returners. Um, so that's kind of who you guys could potentially expect in the return game. Um, and that's kind of where things stand. Obviously, um, you know, kicker is going to be in very important battle. Uh, you know, Florida's when to talk about PTSD. Uh, they've they've <laughs> had some they've had some with their their kicker before. Um, so, but but anyways. Um, Obviously, we'll, we'll see how things play out uh, this weekend for the second scrimmage. Make sure that you guys stay tuned to Gators Online. Just like last week, we will have you guys uh, hooked up on Saturday with some intel, notes, nuggets uh, from the scrimmage. And, uh, and obviously, uh, you know, like I mentioned at the top of the show, the media will eventually have a tour here soon of this new $85 million facility. So make sure that you be on the lookout for that. Uh, Nick and I will definitely be be uh, heading over to that to to get some pictures and, and provide some coverage for you guys. So, um, Nick, glad I, we could finally reconnect on the show, one in in person. But uh, all those last names that you got right, you made up for it. Bro, killed it today. <laughs> um, I appreciate you all for for joining. We'll be back in here next week uh, with a guest as well, and uh, let you guys know how things uh, how things went in the second scrimmage for Nick Del Torre. I'm Zach Albert.